People's Poetry Podcast with me, Jimmy Bowman. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to People's Poetry Podcast. This is episode three of series seven. Thank you for being here. This is the poetry and spoken word podcast that follows me, Jimmy Bowman, a teacher and poet myself, as I wander the UK to chat to a range of poets and explore the UK's love affair with poetry. Now, this podcast is not just for those who are already into poetry. Our mission, my mission, is to show you that there is poetry for all walks of life and there is something out there written for you. We continue on this series with our open mic segment. A massive thank you again to everyone that submitted their pieces. Lots and lots of decisions and choices to be made. But for this episode, we have gone with Rachel Cleverly, and this is her piece, Gone Fishing. Hi, I'm Rachel Cleverly, and this is Gone Fishing. The road there was quiet. He dropped his wife at school, unhooked himself from lines of cars swimming sleepily towards the town. He'd waited a week after the ponds reopened, before ploughing straight into the stream of men who lined the water's edge, holding rods and flies. He knew his limits. Two trouts, not too big or too small, enough for dinner. He extracts the silver fly, unweaves the hook caught in car seat fabric, then plods the timely plod of a man who can cup hours and let them sizzle and evaporate in his palms. He walks around the pond. My spine is the shape of a bubble in bed. I watch the city ripple through my phone, the reeling of drunk friends, liquid cars dissolving into traffic. Midday unsnags itself. I download another movie. This episode's guest is the wonderful Rory Aaron. It was great to sit down and finally chat to him. He's listened to the podcast for a while. He got involved, you may remember, with our writing challenges during lockdown. He actually won one of them, so he holds one of our coveted People's Poetry Podcast badges for winning that. His debut pamphlet of poetry, Doglike, came out on the brilliant small press bearded badger publishing shout out to those guys got a lot of time for what they're doing up in derby and we had a right good chinwag about all things poetry including lyricism as a route into poetry putting together a collection like dog like rory made a sound case for his use of rhyme i really enjoyed that we also spoke about writing that difficult what we coined that difficult second album and the second collection this episode i am joined and i'm excited to talk to uh, rory aaron hello Yo, man, how's it going? Not bad, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. Very excited to be on the podcast. So thank you very much for having me. Thank you for coming on. We're going to talk about Doglike, which was uh, your debut poetry collection out on Bearded Badger Publishing, yeah. um, who are wicked as well. I'm sure we'll talk about them. Yeah. I think I think it was, it was Instagram when I first became aware of you and your work, I think. It seems like a while ago now. Yeah, it was... Well, I... Cause I it was at the start of lockdown. You did a call out for some like poems, yeah. And I, uh, I wrote one about me nan, and and it, it won like a competition. You sent me like a little badge. I've got some. Yeah, that's right. The the uh, writing challenges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and I was buzzing because I'd never really won. I'd never done anything like that before. So uh, yeah, it was a nice little start to lockdown, really. 
yeah i mean it kept me sane because i <laughs> so many people were just indoors and more people replied to those writing challenges than i thought i thought i was only gonna do like two but i ended right. up doing something like 10 in the end but yeah, yeah the amount of poems and the, the quality of the poems i was getting was was amazing as well but yeah that's right because I was, I was gonna say you you submitted uh something to the submissions for last series didn't you because we played you on the holly mcnish yeah, episode. yeah, yeah. I, th I think it was actually it's from the the collection, is it? A year of minor heart attacks is, is the one yeah. we played. Yeah, yeah, about uh, my granddad. Um, yeah, um, that was amazing to get one on a poem on with Holly Mnish as well. It was crazy. So thank you very much for that. I was gonna say big episode to get on as well. Actually. Yeah, it was it's, cool. It's, it's one of the most listened to ones, I think. So hopefully people are scrambling to find dog like off the back of it. Yeah. So let's let's jump right to the, the start of you mm. and, and poetry i always ask guests on here not not what was the first poem you wrote but can you remember when you were first aware of poetry so that could be a poem or something at school but can you pinpoint the moment you first became aware of poetry yeah that's a um oh that's a good question i think um there was like a like is it like an absurd poem my dad used to say to me when i was younger it's like two dead men got up to fight back to back they faced each other drew their swords and shot each other or something like that and I can remember right. that as a kid and I used to find it hilarious because everything happens that shouldn't like the dead men who get up to fight one fine day in the middle of the night yeah yeah um, and it's like got a clever rhyming pattern and stuff um and so I guess I guess that really probably was like the first poem I can remember and then just I guess like most people through songs really like through bands like The Clash the jam mm. stuff like that and the rolling stones and like and then hip-hop and stuff later on and kind of getting obsessed with lyrics um like the art and monkeys first album um, yeah. and getting like just obsessed with with lyrics probably more than like the actual music and kind of realizing that yeah like telling stories and just realizing that i really enjoyed it and then slow like poetry came loads later like in terms of um probably when I was like 18, 19, seeing some like slams on YouTube, like Polar Bear, Kate Tempest, stuff like that. And just being like, oh, that's really cool. And kind of real slow burn and getting into it, really. Yeah, I can appreciate that answer because I, I know, I think it's Jarvis Cocker that printed on one of his sleeves, like, do not read these lyrics alongside the songs. But <laughs> I was I was 100% that nerd with, with oh, Defo, yeah. Bella and Alex Turner, those sort of people, especially Paul Weller, though. I think he was a route into poetry for me as well. Yeah, right? well, the other day I ran a session um, that was all about, like, in a city, living in a city and stuff, and I printed off the lyrics to That's Entertainment. And oh. I still think that that's the best way of summing it up. Like, I don't, I can't think of many poems that are better, um, personally, still. So, yeah, that's know. class. Was it Two Lovers Kissing Amongst the Scream of Midnight, Two Lovers Missing the Tranquility mm -hmm. of Solitude? I love that line. There you go, yeah. So Boom. good, so good. So your transition into writing what what can you remember or or think back to the moment that made you think right i am going to start writing my own poetry now so li lyrics were perhaps your route in yeah what was, it, what was it that triggered and when was it that, that started your poetry writing well okay, so i was in like a i was in a band when i was like 16 17 so started writing songs then then got really into like hip-hop and stuff so started was doing that until i was like 21 22 kind of not seriously but kind of rapping it live nights and stuff like that and raves and stuff yeah. and then um I guess it was like ticking off the list. Like, what wasn't great at being in a band, wasn't a great rapper. So, just kind of <laughs> fell into it. It was like, oh, well, I was just slowly kind of, it was like poetry was the, the only form that was left, really. Yeah, um, yeah. So, 
to start. But even then, it was much more. I, mean, I didn't do. To be honest, I didn't do loads. I kind of for years would like occasionally write something and then show some of my mates, and they'd kind of be like, "Oh yeah, that's pretty good." That and that was kind of the relationship I had with it. And then it was. I ended up in Manchester when I was like 26, 27, um, a few years ago, and was started performing at slams and started doing that more and more and was like really enjoyed the performance side. Then lockdown happened and I was a bit gutted because I'd started doing it and I was getting a bit of momentum behind it. And I think it might have been my girlfriend was like, why do you try and write something for Paige and try and get something published? So I kind of locked myself away further and came up with Doglike and that's kind of how it happened really. That's, uh, so it was quite, not late, late, but later on in your life that you actually started writing. Yeah, I guess serious, like we're taking it seriously, like if that makes sense. Like I always kind of would kind of maybe write like a song or a poem, like as yeah. like once every six months or something. Um, yeah, but but didn't really start taking it more seriously till late because I guess it was always that thing of I enjoy doing it, but I didn't get that there was like a route that you could go down to like yeah. get pub. That seemed like madness. That seemed like something that other just other people did. Um, and kind of, I guess it wasn't until I was like 26, 27 that I started meeting people that were doing it. And I was like, oh, right, okay, that's how you do it. That's the path you go down. So yeah. I started taking it more seriously. I guess coming, because you're from Derby, aren't you, originally? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, now now we associate Derby with some fantastic writers. But yeah. I imagine if you grew up there, you don't particularly think writing is in an avenue that you could go down professionally uh, in that sort of environment because Derby's known for you know making things and yeah yeah no totally like it's, it's amazing that like the the amount of good poetry that's coming out of the city at the moment I think it's really important but um, growing up there didn't I don't want to say there weren't great writers there I'm sure there were but there didn't seem to be that um, creative kind of outlet or those creative opportunities in that city really yeah. like yeah. um, so you could never yeah, you could never imagine um, kind of doing doing it full time or or anything like that. Really, I think when uh, I think it was Jamie Frasavulu when I had him on because uh, I actually went up to Derby for that one and he took right. me. I can't remember the name of the boozer he took me to. It was his, his little local, but right. he was he was saying sort of because uh, he's a bit older than than us, I think. But when he was growing up uh, in Derby, it was almost like he sort of kept this this secret that he that he wrote poetry. He's like he didn't feel comfortable going around going. Oh yeah, I sort of write poetry. No, yeah, no, you wouldn't. It's not that kind of city. Like, uh, I guess I was lucky. So, I kind of I, with some of my mates who I met when I was like fifteen, sixteen. They were like one of my mates, Lewis, was like really in, into music and like experimental kind of electronic stuff. So I can remember being like pretty drunk and telling him about it at like eighteen, nineteen, and him being like, "Oh, well, do you want to try and put it over this?" So that was like quite a nice avenue, but it definitely wasn't something I saw in charted about until a lot later in life. Yeah, it's one of those things with mates as well. Like you appreciate their feedback, but sometimes you're like, "Did they understand a word I said?" Like, <laughs> yeah. like yeah, not not to put them down because I do that all the time. I'll be in the pub, be like, oh, "I wrote this new poem." Oh, let's hear it. You read it, <laughs> and they go, "Yeah, nice, yeah." I'm like. Mm. <laughs> The best feedback I could have. But yeah. So let's talk dog like. Yeah. If, if anyone hasn't picked up a copy yet of Dog Like, how would you describe it? What what sort of collection is it? Yeah, I guess it's like it's about it kind of well, it starts and finishes with like a love poem to my love poems to my city and like how much I love loved growing up there. 
Um, and then in the middle of it, I guess it discusses kind of like masculinity, some of the, some of the problems of growing up there, like some of the things you got up to growing up. Um, and then there's a few kind of weird kind of metaphysical dog poems, dog versus God poems that are thrown in there. Yeah. Um, that I think was just kind of a reaction to being locked in lockdown. Um, so that's, yeah, that's kind of had, uh, it's like my first stab at writing a collection. Um, and yeah, discusses class, masculinity, growing up, uh, the pitfalls and kind of pros of all that, I suppose. And I've said before we started recording, like, I've been excited to finally sit down and chat to you because there's mm. a lot of stuff in there that I, I write about as well, but also stuff that I'm so interested in, like you said, masculinity and mm. almost almost this sort of pride for the area you come from, even though it's perhaps not, you know, the most amazing place in the world, but to you, it, it, it it's clearly somewhere you've enjoyed and it's shaped you. And it was clear reading uh, Dog Like that, that, you know, Derby meant, meant that to you as well. Um, Bearded Badger Publishing, before we get on to the poetry in there, because they're they're fairly new publishers, aren't they? Because I think yeah. I think again it was through Jamie's uh was it Wordwise podcast that I heard they sat down. Um I can't remember the gent's name now, the the guy who who Paul Paul, Paul that's, is yeah. the guy who runs it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they've been amazing. Bearded Badger, just like shout out to them. Obviously, they've been like when he contacts me saying um that he published it at first, I didn't really believe him I was like oh, right it might happen it might not yeah um, but he's just been like the most caring supportive publisher ever and we've just got so we've just got some funding in to write my first like a full collection a full book that they're going to support me to do next year and just he's like yeah that the opportunity that that he's given me has totally changed like the next few years of my life really so it's like yeah I can't um can't shout them out enough and yeah the support they've given me has been amazing when you were putting this collection together how how did you find that experience because I think you know I mean you know I, I'm writing from a place where I haven't got a collection mm. out yet and I sort of write these poems and I think there's a collection there as you were writing these poems before you were told you know these are going to be a collection did you have sort of an idea that they all sort of fitted together um not not really. I mean, they, so they all came out like pretty quickly, like over yeah. kind of like, well, when I say that, I think that ideas I've actually been toying with for years. Do you know what I mean? And like things I've chatted about in the pub for years. And like, I think, so I say that they, they probably actually took about 10 years to come out, but I kind of finally got around to sit writing them um, when lo- the first lockdown happened. Um, but not, I can remember there was a point where I had like, maybe five or six and they were all starting to revolve around kind of certain themes and almost like they, it felt like they were building a certain world up mm-hmm. and I could um and I can remember that feeling of like oh cool something's happening here that I'd never really felt before um and I was like this is this is, but I still didn't think I at no point was I writing thinking oh these will get published I was writing being like can I write like 15 poems it's a body of work um and then when I, I did I um I kind of showed them a friend who writes for this organization, who's part of this organization called Young Identity in Manchester. And was just like, are these any good? Uh, called Roma Havis. And to my surprise, she was like, yeah, they're okay, but you've got to stop putting them all in the center of the page. So I'd laid them out like in this, almost like a menu, like in the center um, yeah. of the page. And she spent like, <laughs> she was like, have you read any poetry? And I was like, yeah, a bit. She was like, well, why are you putting them in like a menu? I was like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> and I spent, <laughs> I spent like maybe like a few weeks with her show me how to like structure poems, like kind of how you can play around with them on the page, like have more fun with them. And that 
And so Rome is a really important person who this wouldn't really have happened without as well. Um, so, I, but yeah, I guess to answer your question, there was a moment where I kind of noticed that there was like a theme and a world being created by these poems. Mm. Um, and yeah, it kind of, for the first time, I was like, wow, no, yeah, something is happening and kind of, kind of ran, just kind of ran with it, ran with the theme. Yeah. See, I think I, I can properly relate to that because all the things that I've currently been writing about. And as you said, thinking about for years, I'm like, right, this would make a good collection and shout out here to Matt Abbott because your nymphs and fugs that you went on, I thought was, was great as well. Yeah. But uh, there was something you spoke about on there where you compared it to like, you know, what do you write about next? The difficult second album and writing about different things. You've said you've got, you know, a, a bigger collection in the pipeline now. How's that been going? Because, because I, I'm with you on that. I've sort of had to the last six months push myself to try and find other things to write about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be really interesting. So I think that's, it, it does feel like the difficult second album. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm going to start writing it in November and kind of officially that's when the project grant starts, but I've been like snowballing ideas um, and I guess if this one was solely about growing up in Derby, it's still going to have a lot of that in there, but it's kind of taking the lens further, kind of zooming out a little bit and looking at kind of other moments, other parts of my life where I've lived. I lived in Spain for a bit, like I lived in Liverpool, um, and now I live in Manchester. And I, I, can't, I kind of want it to be an ode to all those, those places and the people I've met and um, the kind of relationships I've built and like the places that I've had good nights and bad nights and and that's the way I'm thinking at the moment thinking of it at the moment really so probably less of a if this one if dog like felt quite angry and kind of maybe kind of facing a bit of trauma I want this one to be a bit more um yeah just a bit more kind of of a thank you I guess to everything that, yeah. that I've kind of experienced really that's where I'm at with it so far, but it does feel really uh, really daunting and it, it yeah it's that kind of thing like you've got to write it in a year yeah and you're like whoa so so we'll see how it goes but i'm sure it will be i mean it's going to be a great a really exciting process to to be a part of what do you like with uh deadlines and pressure uh, <laughs> I, I want to say that i'm really good but i'm aware that i think my girlfriend who, who i live with can hear me and she's probably laughing at that and just like totally <laughs> totally crumble um, yeah yeah like i guess try not to try not to take the the deadline too seriously and just enjoy writing because that's the whole point isn't it that's the yeah, whole point yeah. of being creative that you enjoy doing it and that it's that it's exciting and that it feel feels good um so try and keep that in mind and uh and not worry not worry too much about it i think sometimes when you're you know that your back's against the wall a bit is i don't know sometimes it's kind of healthy for the writing because yeah. you you do sort of get get a bit of a wriggle on and these ideas you force these ideas out that, that are in there already yeah, somewhere no, definitely and I always think sometimes like not because I've always worked obviously always worked full-time and I've always been finding like moments to write and snippets mm. to write that some it's almost that's how I work best when I've kind of got like 15 minutes in between um meetings or a bus ride somewhere and it just come out quite quickly sometimes when I give myself loads of time then that's then it doesn't really work nothing I almost kind of get absorbed yeah. by it too much yeah 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 I, I hear that a lot I mean it, it must be 
absolutely beautiful for poets that you know they can have this routine where they get up they make a coffee they have an hour's writing then they do mm. that but but as you said for someone like you and me who work full-time do you find you're more creative whilst working and in those little gaps than you are sort of after work because sometimes I get home and I just I can't write anything but then my lunch break at work or something I'll it just pours out of me I don't know why something about being active makes me more creative yeah and being present like I think when you're in when you're in the the kind of work zone you're kind of very present in the moment and Mm. you're not overthinking so it can just come out and I think sometimes when you if you've got loads of time you're trying to get yourself into that state all the worries of the world start kind of coming over and all your anxieties start coming over you and and stuff like that um so yeah no I totally totally agree so as someone who's going through this, what we're calling difficult second album and, <laughs> and, and trying to trying to think about expanding the world and the themes you write about, have you got any any key tips that you could pass on to anyone who's going through the same problems? How have you approached this? Read. I've been reading so much more. Yeah. Like I've been reading loads of, of poetry. Like compared to, I guess, when I wrote Dog Like, I still, yeah, it was much more still music I guess I got a lot of I, I did do spoken I, it was more I guess I count myself more as a spoken word artist than a, and it there's, I know there's loads of debate about the difference and if there's a difference and stuff whereas I've been reading a lot more poets and looking at techniques they use looking at how they do it like how you enter like entry points to poems and not ha- not kind of a poem doesn't have to be like this is what it is you can enter it through like looking like starting to write about a table and seeing where that takes you or starting to write about, I don't know, like objects in the fridge and seeing kind of what comes out of, the, mm. of those. Cause they've all got kind of some kind of sentiment, some kind of attachment to them, but um, like, yeah, reading loads. And also I think the weird thing with Pope is like making sure you, you live in as well and doing stuff. That's probably been the hardest bit about lockdown because it's been so lack of experience. Yeah. Um, so sometimes I think with poetry, you do have to throw yourself into meeting someone you've not seen for ages or going to a situation that pushes you out your comfort and then writing about it. So almost yeah. sometimes, I, I guess I've definitely noticed I've started approaching thing with, things with a writer's headspace and being like, I'm going to go in here and think about how I can come out, what can come out the other side of it, um, which is something I never used to do. I used to throw, my, like, throw <laughs> myself head first into situations. Whereas now, yeah, you almost like sometimes have to like create things and be like, okay, I'll go here. Yeah. Something might like it might trigger an idea that I can write about one one or two less drinks I can remember the night as well <laughs> that, <laughs> that sort of thing yeah I see in the acknowledgements for for dog like as well you, you mentioned Roma but you also mentioned um Anthony uh Anapaguru as well who is a bit of a ledge I've never had the opportunity to sit down and oh, talk man, to him, Anthony, yeah Anthony's amazing his work's amazing as well I mean how, how did that come about working with Anthony um I was at um it was again the start of lockdown. We started running. It was through a friend um, called Josh, who probably will listen to this, and is a great writer as well. He's just like a, a friend, um, and he was like, "Oh, Anthony's doing the these creative writing workshops for like fifteen quid. Do you, do you want to go to one? They're online. They're Zoom. There's nothing else to do." So I was like, "Oh yeah, that sounds good." Um, so went for one. Um, loved it. Wrote this poem about. I just kind of popped my back out for the first time. Right. Um, and kind of took it as a real kind of growing up like moment of kind of 
being almost in my 30s and I told my dad about it and he was almost a bit excited that it finally happened to me as well you know and it was like this kind of moment of bonding that we had over at Pop Bar yeah that happens and so I wrote a poem about that and Anthony quite liked it and then just from there ended up kind of being mentored for a little bit we met like once a once a month um, and I'd kind of send him it was just as I'd got these accepted to to write uh, to be published uh, by Bearded Badger um, and so he kind of looked at them and then kind of took me under his wing for a couple of months and Amazing. kind of got me writing more and kind of pushed me a lot more and kind of, yeah, I guess kind of opened my mind into the poetry world and like got me reading a lot more and stuff. Yeah, that's that's the thing that always floors me about him is how well read he is you know oh, he's so much like every time he's like you'll see him and he's got like a blank background like me but he just pulls these books from nowhere and he's like <laughs> oh you gotta read this one mate and like you're like <laughs> noting them down and yeah those uh those things he was doing with raymond antrobus the yeah. poems for a lockdown like, they were incredible some of the poetry i've like discovered through through those <laughs> two just half an hour on an evening but yeah it must have been amazing to work with let's talk poems then what I usually okay. do and get people on this, I pick a few poems and yeah, if you could maybe speak about a couple of them, your, yeah, definitely. your turn of phrase is something I absolutely love uh, throughout oh, dog. Like, like, like some you. of, some of it is so, so poignant, like it's, it's witty, but it's also kind of sad. And like you said, almost angry in certain places, really enjoyed uh, the poem looking behind. I thought the lion already knowing where nowhere leads was that sort of poignant, but, but, but spot on sharp sort of turn of phrase. Not much to do as well, I think, was class because, I mean, it sounds like youth clubs were just as drab and dreary down here as, as they were in your neck of the woods. Yeah. Um, Dog of England, I thought, was brilliant as well. Again, polo-shirted voice and, and the imagery of the St George's bunting in the pubs. It just took me back to, to my local and, and those types of people that, that you encounter. Obviously, it'd be cool to hear you talk about a year of minor heart attacks, about your granddad, as that's the one that we've, we've played already. Uh, yeah. But again, the one at the end, uh, Small City, I think it's the one you spoke uh, to Matt about on Nymphs and Fugs. You know, you ended it with rhyme. And I love that you described rhyme as when footballers do tricks. Yeah. Know, that's, yeah, I thought that was brilliant on that. Because uh, it gets Cheers, a lot of bad man. press, doesn't it, Ryan? Yeah, I, it's interesting. And I do get why, because it can kind of confine. And the more, almost like the more you get into poetry, the more you, you recognise why it does. But like in terms of, I think if we're talking about using like poetry to, in a, if we're talking about how to get young people, like I work with a lot of young people and I was a youth worker for quite a lot and I run some youth projects for contact there. Um, I think rhyming's like for me that's what got me into writing like the ability to build rhyme schemes and to, and it was so much fun before you even like necessarily care what you're saying because it you can almost kind of create music aren't you and you just kind of so I really wanted to finish it on one where yeah just and plus yeah there's like a certain bragging right I think to be like oh you know I've got that like, I can flow kind of thing don't worry yeah, about yeah, it yeah. um so I really wanted to finish it on one where it was um quite heavy in rhyme and kind of a bit showy off it in a way yeah I've always liked rhyme because I mean we're kind of generation grime in a way aren't we yeah like the, which which for me was a big route into rhyme when I was a little bit older obviously I'd heard rhyme uh, like that please Mrs Butler Alan Olberg mm. when I was in primary school but yeah by the time I got to secondary school I think you know like early Dizzy Rascal and Wiley they, they were rhyming cleverly as well exactly like boy yeah yeah totally and I, that was probably one of the first times I can remember writing like I guess like poems or raps was like year nine people started like battle rapping at school yeah um, and I can remember help there was a guy called Reese 
Um, and I can remember like, we sat in English together and me helping him out, like of working together. We we're coming up with like rhyme schemes. And that was probably the first time I kind of fell in love with writing, so to speak. So yeah, no, still all about the rhymes. Still do sit and rhyme quite a lot. Um, you've, quite you've, fun. you've just reminded me of talking about writing in year nine. Did, did you ever come across a website called Gold Mike? No, gold mic. What's it was that? it was literally rap battles, but written on the internet. This is like the, the, the early days of the internet, and and people yeah. would vote for which one was better, and then they'd win the battle without even performing. And I I remember getting involved in that for a brief career of about a month before I realised I wasn't cut out for the rap game. <laughs> Do you know what? Like, yeah, that does really ring the bell. I'm sure it was stress. called Gold Mic. Yeah, I wonder if it's still going. We'll have to have a look um, after this. Like, yeah. I remember there was something on like the early MySpace days or Bebo. I can't remember which one. Remember you were either like MySpace or Bebo. There was yeah, like yeah. a bit of a divide there. Or I kind of crossed and I had two very different personas for each. So in like the play in there. Um, but I can remember on, maybe it was Bebo. There was like a page like that that you could do it. Um, Mad. Cool. Mad. Times. Different days. Did you want to talk us through a couple of the poems that, that I mentioned? Because like I said, they were they were all great, but they're, they're the sort of highlights that I picked out. Yeah. Um, do you want me to shall I read one? Shall yeah, I, I mean, that'd be wicked. Yeah, um, I'll read like, the night Brownie's dad got smacked. Yes. That's, yeah. is, that, uh, is that the one? I think that reminded me. I forgot all about this. Is that the one where you talk about Skittle vodka? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh. That was... That was a big part growing up, I think, like in like year nine, ten, mixing it in. Um, yeah, yeah. Go for it. That was a great poem. So it's called The Night Brownies Dad Got Smacked. It was Jono's house party. We were all Skittles mixed in with vodka. In Lyle and Scott's buttoned up, uniform, smart as. We packed taxis out front, showing off smoke bridges from nose to lip, moulding floating jellyfish. The sun slowly collected us. The curtains straighted into form when Brownie's stepdad reared his head, a bold head of slap from over but one. He squared up to Smithy. We all laughed backing up, except for Scott, who already knew the way of dogs. There you go. Yeah. So good. It, it's so fun. Good. So that, yeah, I mean, so it's a true, um, it's, a, it's, it's based on a true event. And uh, But obviously, and until it almost went out, all the proper names were in there. And right. it was like just before it was getting published, I was like, I'm probably going to have to change like the names of that. Um, but yeah, cool. That's one of them. Yeah. I've, I mean, it took me back. Funnily enough, the, the geezer at school that had most house parties for me was called Jono as well. So I mean, right, that, okay. that, um, that probably helped. But yeah, so it's an odd, odd situation to find yourself in though as well. Yeah. And I think, were, and a lot of, I mean, a lot of the collection is like looking back on, on those moments that you kind of get thrown into when you're like 15 16 as a boy and kind of where and look I'm sure it's one of those things like I'm sure people witness much more violent things than that and you know but it's kind of like processing how they probably did affect you and you didn't realize at the time and you know conversations maybe about like mental health and mental well-being weren't as big but I do think there's a lot of people kind of walking around who've kind of been in those situations and and they are kind of quite affecting and quite kind of nerve-wracking and stuff and to suddenly be faced with stuff like that when you're growing up in kind I think does affect a lot of a lot of young boys that I work with I see that you all work with and a lot of my mates who I've kind of have grown up with and I see them now and you're like oh yeah those years probably were quite traumatic um, yeah I think yeah. it's I think it's probably quite a universal thing and as you said it it still still goes on but I feel like for for our generation who are on the cusp of 30 we were that weird in between you know we didn't quite have the internet but but mm. we did and mental health was 
not really spoken about at all. So mm. yeah, it, it's 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 quite it's almost like yeah, you're looking back at these things in hindsight in this collection because there's, there's some some mad stuff happens in your teenage years, and I guess nowadays it is slightly more spoken about. But as you said, there's probably still a lot of teenagers going through very similar things. And I, I definitely think in in it's something in like small cities and small towns where the the kind of maybe the the violence isn't as like structured and it's more kind of chaotic and it's more that it's interesting as well and I, I wonder how much you kind of talk about kind of the way like big politics affects and kind of kind of turning the pages the recession hit and feeling that kind of future kind of be, being told constantly you know oh this big recession is coming there's going to be less opportunities and then seeing people act violently and how much that kind of intertwines and affects people's psyches and stuff um, and I mean I've got a mate who's a much more intellectual than me, Josh, the same guy who read it. And he kind of put, put that on it. And he was like, you're writing about that time of recession. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of the things you're talking about are a reaction to to that, I think. Um, and I thought it was quite a good way of summing it up. Yeah, definitely. Is this the, Josh, I've got to mention in your nymphs and fugs, the, the best poet nobody knows about? Yeah, the best. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> keep pushing that. He's, he's in Spain. He's just bought like a... So he's from Dark. He's from Holbrook, um, which is like a small town, like real rural town. Yeah. I got to know when I was like 15, 16. And, and, and he's really into it as well. So I'm quite privileged to have a mate who's like dead into poetry. Um, or like got into it in his late 20s. But um, yeah, he's a brilliant poet, but um, nobody knows about him. Get him in touch. We'll get him on. We'll get yeah. him on. We'll, we'll play some bits of his. You you still, as well as writing poetry, uh, and you got dog like out. You're still quite involved with like musical projects as well, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I've got. Well, I was meant to have an EP, Banners and Mantras. We had one song came out, and then um, the producer, sadly, he's fine. He, he kind of he got hit by a car, and now he's in hospital. But he's good. He's healthy. He's right, coming out. Yeah. Um, so that's going to still happen, but it's just been delayed. But I'm playing. So I've been kind of making another kind of EP with a loop pedal and a synth at the moment. Um, just because I guess got into the habit of when lockdown happened, kind of just re-engaging with it all um, yeah. and kind of kind of fall back in love with with making music, even though I'm like I'm pretty limited at it. But it's like another way to write. What I like about it is I feel less pressure on the, or sometimes I feel more freedom writing lyrics. And I feel like less pressurized in what I'm trying to say, and I have just a bit more fun with it sometimes. I was going to say to you, in terms of sort of lyricism and poetry, like which when you're writing each of them, which, what are the biggest challenges for each form? Like, is there much of a difference? Or so you said you feel freer with with lyrics? Yeah, I think I've, I guess, and I don't know if that's just because poetry has become a bit more serious for me at the moment, and that you know things are happening. I've got this funding throughout my second full collection and you know it's become a bit more um whereas it used to be a real release now it's kind of more of my work in life yeah whereas and now music and kind of writing lyrics again has become that release where um you know I can just write raps and I'm not I don't really um put any pressure on it like when it happens it happens if it doesn't it doesn't um in terms of like different I guess you can play around yeah I, in terms of kind of different t- kind of voices and t- I, yeah I guess a different voice does come out when I'm writing lyrics sometimes more of a carefree I think a little bit yeah. more carefree do you ever start writing one and it becomes the other uh, yeah, do you know what yeah like sometimes or I'll take ideas and borrow ideas I've just done that recently with a poem 
mm. and then turned it into a short story and um, like kind of took the character out of the poem and I placed it into a short story and just to see how that would work and definitely have noticed that some ideas you think are one thing but it's when you think you've got a novel and it turns into a haiku that's the only problem with that one yeah so towards the end of the chats on here i like to sort of dive into a little bit almost quick fire but not quick fire but into your writing process cool so let's say you've written a poem you've got a you know it's it's in its first draft you you put it away shelve it for a bit and then you you bring it back out what would be the first thing you do to that poem as part of your editing process uh what would be the first thing i just so i'm pretty self-critical so generally like delete a lot (laughs) Right. <laughs> and kind of start again uh, and I'm not really I'm not particularly precious over throwing stuff away um like it's a good attitude to have though yeah yeah and a lot of the times I will show it to people whether that's I've like some mates or, or kind of some people like Roma or Atony or and just be like oh, oh Josh and kind of what do you think um yeah. and start kind of getting feedback on it um and then it's it's thrown away a lot of the time it's thrown away the lines that that are trying too hard. Do you know what I mean? And you think, oh, that's really poetic. That's in keep. Uh, almost the lines I like the most when I write, then that they get brought out and slowly I kind of start to see this like actual poem emerge or, or yeah. not emerge. And you realise you've not, you know. Um, so yeah, so some, a lot of staring at the screen as well. And then on the, the flip side of that, when for you, is it time to walk away from the poem? When do you think, right, that is as best as I want it at the moment. Cause I mean, that is the age old adage is that it's never finished. It's only abandoned. So for you, when is it time to sort of move away from the poem? Um, I think it's where there's been occasions where I've kind of been trying to work on like a single poem for like a month, you know, and you're kind of agonizing over it and, and you've got to kind of recognize that you just lost, you've lost, you've lost what you're trying to say and you lost what, the whole point of it was to move on and, and go go and write something again um, and, and kind of come back to it at a later date. And uh, I definitely have been, um, whereas I never used to do that, recently I have really been revisiting stuff I wrote years ago. And a lot of it isn't great, but there's some little snippets in there that you're like, okay, yeah, that, that does work. So yeah, never totally throw away. But what I guess once you, if you find yourself like agonising over it for more than like three or four sessions, move on for a bit i'd say yeah i've no one's ever said that i don't think in seven series of doing this but that is something i've done i've written what i thought was a good poem shelved it looked at it gone nah not even tried and then years later i've taken maybe like two lines and that's been the foundation of another poem so Mm. is it there's a there's a good uh good piece of advice that the last question i always ask is is probably the broadest so i'm going to put you on the spot but yeah me and you sat here, 2021, we're talking about poetry, such an old, archaic form of literature. Why do you think that poetry still has this draw, that, that people are still invested in poetry today? Why is it still such an important part of people's lives? I think because um, it kind of provides a moment to to reflect on it. And I think we we live in such a fast society yeah. of growing up. of move, You move so quickly through it and you move so... Um, you, you, and I think that's what poetry provides. Whether you're writing it is a t- moment and sit to reflect on something, or you're reading it, and it means you're sitting and you're processing. And I don't think we have time to do. It's interesting. I've been running some like sessions with young people about kind of 
things they'd like to change the most of like issues. And so much is time is what they want is just more time, more time to be themselves, more time to kind of follow their own interests. And I just think, and in adults as well, I think we've, we've created this, created, I don't know, this society where we move so quickly. And before yeah. you know it, you're like, you're an adult and things are serious. Um, and so I think that's what poetry provides, just that moment to sit and reflect, um, yeah. whether you're writing or you're reading. I mean, that's a good point, especially for, for young people. There, there's a lot more pressure added on them now and they, they don't have as much free time as perhaps generations before because they're, they're constantly being pushed to do this this and this to further their career when they get to it and then like mm. you said yeah you have no time when you're an adult yes mm. it's, it's a good point it's an interesting point Cheers, mate. so obviously next for you you've got that bigger collection that you're working on yeah bearded badger where can people find you follow you uh, and find the book yeah, so follow me on Insta is probably the best one, uh, which is Rory.Aron, A-A-R-O-N. Um, and then I've got um, a website, which is RoryAron.com, where there's some stuff up there. Um, but mainly there, really. And yeah, like I said, I've got a few things coming out at the moment, a few music projects coming towards an end. Um, and then from probably the start of November, we'll be really focusing on the poetry. You need to get performing again as well. I've not performed in a while so i've got a gig um, the next tuesday actually like a um which i'm really looking forward to but then like i want to start hitting the um the some slams up again and some yeah. kind of open mics i'm uh i've got my first post lockdown uh nice saturday and i'm i'm actually bricking it a little bit it's been <laughs> yeah. ages yeah no we can get the you definitely can redevelop the fear of performing I think. yeah it's that uh it's a big music festival in my town and i got like top loader headlining <laughs> <laughs> but the bbc upload have got a little stage and they've asked oh, me to nice. 10 minutes in between bands and i'm just oh, so that's... conscious of you know when you go to see a band and there's a poet on it, it's like hurry up we want the next band. <laughs> <laughs> now you i think there's a poet called dave dave viney um who that support once and he told me when you're doing gigs like that it's all it's less about the poem and all about the chat between yeah and yeah, yeah. it's like it's all about the links um, yeah so yeah so as long as you've got a good chat which you've got i'm sure you'll be fine we'll go for it fingers crossed well good luck for your gig and good luck writing it we'll have to get you back on the pod when you've got the other collection out but this collection dog like head to bearded badger probably best place to get hold of it isn't it yeah definitely yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Brilliant. wicked thanks for joining me it's been, Cheers, it's been great thank you very much i'll see you in a bit and now for your listening pleasure, Rory very kindly recited a piece from Dog Like called Small City. Small City, bus riding, Peter Storm squadron, knuckles, cobbles, wit, joyriding with the moon, footlongs, wambars, homemade bongs, marching from our failed schools, living out down Dolly Park, dodgy body from the spa, Danny breaks on Sony Ericsson's, we mixed our skittles in with crosses passed on by fathers. Wall stain just like our accents, crucifix round our necks, trackies baggy, Polish backy, ten bag baggy, stuffed in Fred Perry, Ravinelli, charm every Saturday night to Sunday, that was us, uniform, patrolling our valley of deer, thick with oaks, council of war, the trenches of the city, overlooked far too often, let's get it straight, it was Lou Mill that got the whole thing started and we owe this country nothing. So swivel on your recruitment. Strong in arm for a reason. Throw that flag in the current. Let's be for our city. Anything else is treason.
A massive thank you as always to you at home for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, please do share it with a friend. You can find us on Instagram at People's Poetry Podcast, over on Twitter at People underscore Poetry. You can find us on Facebook, People's Poetry Podcast. I'm on Twitter, JBO, that's JBO Pens Poems. And you can email us if you want to get involved with the show. If you're a poet yourself and you'd like to sit down and chat or social media just don't cut the mustard and you want to get in touch, it's peoplespoetrypodcast at hotmail.com. 